Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. If you're reading out of a pew Bible, it should be on page 977. Page 977. Last week, we talked about unity. But this week, we're going to bridge to a discussion on diversity. Now, we all know how important diversity is. I love to eat cake, but you can't make cake if all you have is flour. You can't play football if everyone wants to be the quarterback. In the same way, you can't have a body if all you have is hands. There needs to be diversity. And so let's pick up this conversation with our sermon in a sentence. Each part has a purpose. Each gift has a goal. Each part has a purpose. Each gift has a goal. Now let us pray, and then we'll jump right in. Heavenly Father, the Spirit is the one who illumines our eyes. He gives us wisdom and understanding. He binds us together as a body. And we here today are a body who needs wisdom. So Father, would you pour out your Spirit on us that we may hear, see, and relish all the things you have revealed to us. Father, we ask all these things in Christ's precious name. Amen. We're going to start in verse 7. Hear the word of the Lord. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, What does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. And he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And thus ends the reading of God's Word this morning. Now in Laurel, Mississippi, nestled within the downtown district is a little museum called the Lauren Rogers Art Museum. 
The museum was originally famous for the wonderful Indian baskets. There's a great section where there's these baskets woven together by the Cherokee and the Choctaw. And they have these different color strands of pine straw and other materials. And they weave together this multicolored baskets. They're absolutely stunning. But there's a contrast on the other side of the museum. As you walk to the other side of the museum, you will see a section of modern art. And there's this one piece that just sticks out in my mind. It's a solid orange canvas with a solid yellow square in the middle. That's it. No variation, no multicolored, no diversity. Just an orange square and a yellow square. Even Zoe could have painted that and put it in the museum. But here lies our problem today. Unity in our generation is defined by sameness. It's boring. It's bland. You're either orange or you're yellow. And if you're not either, then get out. But the Bible sees things differently. When Paul says that the church displays a manifold wisdom of God, it can also be understood as the multicolored wisdom. Like a beautiful tapestry woven together by many colored threads, each thread contributing to the whole, bringing glory and honor to its author. So now I'm looking at all of us this morning. We're all some different colored threads. The question for us, though, is how are we to be woven together? What is the goal? What is the end product that God is doing with all the different threads in this body this morning? How will we use our gifts for the same goal? And now we come back to our sermon in a sentence. Each part has a purpose. Each gift has a goal. What are these gifts and what is the goal this morning? Let's begin with the most obvious question. What are the gifts? Paul says in verse 7 that grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Paul begins tackling the issue of diversity by looking to the gifts given by Jesus Christ. Now why is this? Well, think with me for a moment. The Word of God is a gift. John chapter 1, he looks back at creation and he says, All things were created through the Word. Now I want you to think about that. How many different birds are there out there in this world? The hummingbirds have all left, which means my amount of sugar will start going back up at my house. But even when you count hummingbirds, robins, warblers, buzzards, owls, I mean, we could go on all day. And they're all so different from each other. Or think about flowers. We have mums sitting in front of us. We've got penta and Mexican heather outside. These are vastly different than cacti. Each one is different. Look at the diversity in this church. I mean, we all have different gifts. 
Look at Aileen and Kendall. They're the perfect tag team. He cooks the meats, she cooks the sweets. It's perfect. Look at Monty. Nobody can tell a story quite like Monty Joe Kenny. Nobody can fix things like Justin. Nobody can break things like MJ. We all have gifts. But we didn't just wake up one morning and say, you know what? I'm going to be gifted. No. The, our Creator gave us these gifts in the same way that He gave hummingbirds the speed of flight and He gave roses a beautiful smell. Our gifts find their source in the one God. That true unity and diversity in this world finds its source in one God and His eternal plan. And, a core, and as part of this plan, He has given us the incarnate Word as a gift. He has given us Jesus Christ incarnate as a gift. We see this in Ephesians 1. He says, God's purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan to unite all things, all things in heaven and all things in earth, in Christ. And now we find ourselves back at our passage. Paul quotes Psalm 68. And he says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. The life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this was the commencement of God's plan. And this Christ, this King, has ushered in a new creation, a new life, and has made us all a part of His body. And as Christ led this cosmic conquest parade through heaven, much like when a general would defeat an army, He would lead all the slaves through town. When they did it, it was for their glory. But when Christ did it, it was to give us gifts. Now, when Paul says that Christ gives us gifts, he doesn't mean that Jesus is like Santa Claus on the Christmas parade. Santa Claus only has so many pieces of peppermint he can throw out. And Santa Claus is looking for all his friends. No. Jesus doesn't have only so many gifts, and he only gives it to the blessed ones here. But it says in Psalm 68:19 that he daily bears us up. That daily he gives us gifts. Just like in Romans 8. He who gave up His Son for us, will He not graciously give us all things? He gives us gifts. Now what is the first gift that He gives us? Well, the incarnate Word gives us the inscripturated Word. The Word written down in Scripture. Notice what Paul says. He gave us the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. What, is, what holds these gifts in common? They are all ministers of the Word. They are ministers where God speaks through them. And God continues to build up and strengthen His body. Paul mentions this in Ephesians 2. He says, Christ came and preach peace to you who were far off. Now, I've read the Bible a time or two. I don't remember Jesus taking a vacation to Ephesus. 
do you? Well, he didn't. Instead, when the minister preaches, it is Christ building up his body. Paul will say in Romans 10, 14, How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? Not about what they have heard, whom they have heard. That Christ speaks to us through the preaching of the word. Now I want you to think for a minute. Christ himself is the gift. But this is vastly different from how the world operates. Some of us here might have gotten a stimulus check this year. And if you remember, Donald Trump afterwards sent everyone a letter with his signature on it. But let me just be very honest with you. It was a dead letter. None of us opened our mailboxes and kissed the mail lady on the lips for this great gift. None of us here put it in a picture frame because it meant so much to us. The fact of the matter is Donald J. Trump did not individually sign each one of those letters that the current president nor any future president nor any former president knows the name of Zach Burr or Karen Hubbard or Kathy Brewer. Why? We're a little bit too far down on the totem pole for people of that importance. But stop and consider Jesus Christ. You know, I've been in management. When men put in their two weeks, you're not going to get a whole lot out of them out of those two weeks. But Jesus in John 13, He knows His time is near and He's thinking about the glory that awaits Him in heaven. And what does Jesus do? Well, He bends down and He washes the feet of His disciples. And this same Jesus Christ who is risen and reigning, He loves us all the same. That Thomas Goodwin says, He remains the same in heaven as He was on earth. That He intercedes with the same heart there as He did when He was down here. That He is just as meek, just as gentle, and just as tender in His affections. That Christ continues to tell us stories of His love each and every week by His Spirit. Why? Why does Christ communicate to us? Why does He give us His gifts and His graces each week? Because He loves us. Because He cares for us. Do you know the great love that Christ has for this body? I can tell you how I know. I can tell you how I know that Christ loves this church. Because He continues to gift us. That He continues to speak to us. That He continues to give us grace according to His generosity. That He equips us in this room. He equips the saints for the work of ministry. Now don't let the word ministry scare you. The word ministry simply means service. God calling us to serve is an act of love. I once worked with a man who suffered from extreme depression. And one day he thought the answer to his depression was to quit working and play video games all day. And after about a week, his depression skyrocketed. Why? 
He was not a contributor. He was not useful. He was not valued. He was not serving. I'm a firm believer that God created us to serve. In the very beginning, God called Adam to work. Not because God is a cosmic slave driver, but because God is a heavenly father. Because he loved Adam. Think about when your children are growing up. You get them to help you rake the leaves and to work outside and to do the dishes. Why? Because you love them. You love to be around them. And if COVID has taught any of us in this room anything, boredom is a curse. But to be able to serve is a gift. And Christ has come to equip each and every one of us in this room to serve. As men of this world have a multitude of gifts given by their Creator, so we have a multitude of gifts given by our Redeemer. Now, what gift do you have? Well, we could quote all the places in Romans 12 and throughout the Bible, but the real question is, what gift has God given you in this point of time in your life, in this place that we live on the mount? How can we help build up the body. Christ has given us a variety of gifts, and each gift has a goal. Each part has a purpose. What is the goal we're going to, and how do we get there? What is the goal, and how do we get there? As we transition to the second part, we understand that we all have a gift, and the goal is maturity. Notice Paul says that it's until we obtain mature manhood to the measure of the stature of Christ. Now like Paul, he defines maturity not by what it is, but by what it is not. By looking to a child. We all know children. Children lack knowledge. If you tell a child that their name is in the dictionary under gullible, they will look. Children are like wet cement. Whatever falls on them will leave an impression. We are much the same way. When we are lacking knowledge of the Word, something else will fill the gap. But not only do children lack knowledge, they lack stability. You know, me and Justin were talking about floating piers down at Eagle Lake. These are a great thing, but something very important has to happen. They have to be anchored off at both ends. If not, they will just drift away. And much is our life if we are not anchored down somewhere. We need stability. We've seen during COVID and the lockdowns that when stability went down, juvenile delinquency went up. We need stability. But most importantly, children lack the ability to work together. They lack the ability to work together. Paul contrasts a mature man with immature children because children don't play well with others. You know, we teach our kids how to share and we just say, oh, they're just kids. That's what kids do. But unfortunately, I know some 50, 60, and 70-year-olds that still don't know how to share. And Paul has a word for that. It's called immaturity. And Paul says what we're growing into is a mature man. And if you want to know what a mature man is, 
We're growing into Him who is the head. Him who is Jesus Christ. Just look at the life of Jesus. He grew in knowledge. Luke says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. That for 30 years, Jesus grew. So for a three-year ministry, He can say, I speak the words my Father has given me. Jesus was mature. Jesus being stable, look at this man's life. Busy schedule, running amok, hungry, abused, family problems, disciples giving him fits, abuse, crucifixion. And in all of these things, Jesus never loses his cool. Even on the cross, Jesus is in control. And you might say, well, I know, I remember a time when Jesus flipped some tables. Well, read the entire story. Jesus braided the whip first. Jesus was in control. Jesus was stable. Jesus was mature. Jesus, does he know how to work with others? Seriously? Have you looked around this room? Jesus works with all of us. Point proven. Jesus was mature. Paul says in Romans 8 that we have been called to be conformed to His image. That God was so pleased with His Son that He's going to make all of His adopted children like Him. And it's for that goal that we have been given gifts. It's for that purpose that we all play a part. And when every part, when every gift is working as it should, we will grow up and love. This is a gift. This is the gold. Now we ask the most important question. So what? So what? How do I contribute to this goal? Paul says in the very last verse that the manner in which this body is built up is in love. Whew, that's dangerous. Love today is a very squishy term. You know, I can remember going to the skating rink as a child and they would play on the speakers, what is love? I'm not going to sing the rest of it. But you know why they sang that song? Because we don't know what love is. We define love by how we feel. It's a very squishy thing. But love isn't how you feel. For the Bible, love is something very concrete. We said a couple weeks ago that we know Jesus' character by how He loves. Well, if you want to know what makes Jesus tick, look at what Jesus says. They say, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and with all your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. This, this is just a summary statement of the law of love. The law of liberty that James calls it, of the Ten Commandments. These are the way that we grow the body in love. And just think about how these work out in our life as a, as a church body. Well, first, we're called to love and serve the Lord our God only. That we're called to hunger after Him, to thirst after Him, to seek Him above all things. How can our gifts contribute to that goal? Second, he tells us that we shall worship the Lord in the way that He has prescribed, like we're doing this morning. 
But he also tells us that we should seek him in prayer, in family devotion, in reading the Bible, and in all of these other means of grace that he has given us. He tells us that we shouldn't take his name in vain. That we shouldn't just treat God's name like it's something to be tossed around. But that we should live and speak in a way that brings honor to his name. How can we help each other with that? He says that we should honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. That we should have a day where we rest in him. That we trust God with our time, with our money, with our resources. He talks about, fifthly, that we should honor our father and our mother. But this extends to all authority figures. And I look in this room and I see some people who have authority. And if you have authority, pray for those under you. Bless them. Reward them that do good. If you find yourself under authority, then seek the betterment of those you work for. Care for them. Serve them like you're serving the Lord. He says six, that we shouldn't murder. But it goes beyond simply not strangling each other after service. It goes to that we should preserve and better one another's life. Boy, isn't that a mercy ministry? That we should be patient with one another. To seek to reconcile ourselves with one another as much as we can. That we should do all we can to promote and preserve the marriages that we have within these families. Us youngins, two sets of youngins, three sets, there's a lot of youngins in here. We should seek to go around these who are older and to learn from them how to love our children and to love our spouses. And us who are, who are younger, we should take, these, take others in and care for them. Eighth, we shouldn't steal, but we should be generous with one another, seeking to preserve and promote the wealth and the property of one another. We shouldn't bear false witness. Whew, that's a sermon in itself with Facebook. We should be truth spreaders, not gossiping, not slandering, but building up one another's reputation. And lastly, we shouldn't covet. Instead, we should be thankful for what God has given us. That for some of us, He's given us a lot. And we should bear kindly and gently with those who have less. And us who have less, we should be thankful for those who have more. Let me tell you, we have a very diverse body here. And each of us has a gift. And each of us has a goal. And this is ten ways that we can grow. My friends, this is how we grow in love. How can our gifts and this great diversity we have here grow the body? John Owen says to love God is the only way to be like Him. It's the only way to be like Him. In closing, let me tell you a story. In Laurel, a 16-inch water line busted that ran straight from the water tower. They brought in a crew from Texas to fix it. It took five times longer to get it done. Why? For every one man with a shovel, four men were watching. Now let me tell you, we have some work to do here. John Calvin says that if you're going to enter into a labor of love, you're going to enter into a labor. You're going to have to work. It takes a lot of effort to love people. And as I look around this room, I know personally that we have people in here who are suffering tremendously. And a lot of people don't know it. 
We have those who have not been with us for quite some time. But guess what? They're a part of our body. And our Creator and our Redeemer has given us gifts to strengthen this body. He's given us a law and a way and a means to strengthen this body. And He Himself strengthens this body. He cares for this body. We need all hands on deck so that we can restore this body and begin to grow. That being said, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great gift that you have given us in Jesus Christ. May your Spirit strengthen us that we may be good stewards of the grace that you have shown us. And would you help us, Father, to help one another to love you and to love your body more and more. Father, I ask all these things in Christ's most precious name. Amen.